Do you have any other gossip for me? Actually, it's funny. <laughs> you do. Uh, well, it's it's not gossip though. That's okay. the thing. It it has the potential for gossip, but it's not gossip. I don't know. It's kind of just the way you worded that made me think of it. But uh, but I'll go ahead and I'll give it to you because we're sure. friends. Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, and my co-host who I have just not spent enough time with recently, Mandy Murphy. Hey, Chris. How are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty, pretty fantastic. Summer has arrived in Toronto and things couldn't be better. You? I agree. I also agree that it's been too long since we've chatted. Yeah, totally. Um, there's been good reasons for a lot of that. As discussed in the last episode, I, at our normal recording day, was uh, I, I was in the come down from having been on major sedatives for a colonoscopy. And uh, by the way, all went well. Uh, That's good to hear. In, in the interests of proving why these things are important, actually had some stuff removed that if left alone could have become... I was going to say a problem. No, cancer. Could have become cancer. Wow. So, yeah, always good to make sure, guys. Keep keep checking. Um, but uh, all's well with that. You've been very busy. You had a sick little puppy, I hear. Yeah, Wrigley. Wrigley it was scary. He got, uh, he got pretty sick, and we're not really sure why. Um, some kind of internal infection that turned into some pretty major eye issues. And the eye issues seemed to be not connected to the previous eye issues, so... I don't know, just concerning all in all. He was on a lot of medication, and uh, we were in and out of the emergency clinic with him over the long weekend, and it was a little bit scary. And at the same time and all that all of that happened, my uh, computer crashed. I probably spend a good 12 to 14 hours a day on my computer. Um, so it was probably just tired and wanted a long weekend as well. <laughs> can't, I can't blame it. So, uh, yeah, it left me sort of unable to do some recording, and that's why it's been so long. I feel that in and in the long interim and speaking of everyone's favorite droopy dog Wrigley, Wrigley has some big news. Indeed, do you want to do you want to yeah. break the big news? Yeah, sure thing. Well, I'm not I'm definitely not the one breaking it here. But for those no, listeners yeah, it's, who, it's old news. Yeah, now, for those listeners who may not have heard, we're really proud and honored to announce that Wrigley won uh, Wrigley Oat Pale Ale. Won the gold medal at the Canadian Brewing Awards in the North American Pale Ale category. So we were very pleased with that news. It's worth mentioning as well, just to add a little bit big ups to that, the North American Pale Ale and North American IPA, those are tough categories. <laughs> like, not to say that people win other categories, it's a soft win or whatever, but man, that's a tightly contested category. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we were really happy with the beer, but at the same time, delightfully surprised with the, the win. It certainly wasn't something we were expecting. Um, and it will be our first, uh, our first Canadian Brewing Award, so we're pretty excited about that. And it's really nice that it happens to be with a beer that, uh, that has some charitable good along with it. So the uh, proceeds from, or a portion of the proceeds from every pint of the beer uh, poured in the tap room and every bottle that we sold went to the bottle shop. Uh, went toward uh, or being donated to improvements at our local dog park and so all in all so far we've raised uh, just over $1,800 for some improvements there so it's kind of a nice story all around it's fantastic that is fantastic 
Uh, I also saw an interesting picture. I don't know if you're going to be able to say too much about it, but there was a neat picture. Uh, I think I saw it on Facebook or maybe Instagram of Mark uh, duct taping what looked like a giant garbage bag to the uh, vent over the uh, kettle. You want to talk about what was going on there? Oh, that's an old one. That's from when we did our first kettle sour. Oh, was think... it? It was just reshared, I guess, then. Yeah. So uh, I think Rob just got uh, Rob's one of our brewers. He just got caught up. Uh, on posting a lot of his old pictures from the year on Facebook, and that happened to be one of them. It was their first adventure in kettle souring, back when we did the um, the hibiscus sour. So right. Not well, another sour on the way, but we do have another exciting beer coming out this week. Woo-hoo. Any details? Can you hint? Yeah, sure. We're launching a. Uh, I think we'll just say. <laughs> yeah. We could just say, yeah, we're launching a. It'll be our first lager. Um, and it's a Hellas style lager, so. We are very, very excited to to launch that beer this Friday. That's fantastic. That'll be obviously tap room. Yeah, tap room and bottle shop. Um, ideally, some craft beer spots around town, but the majority of it will be just at the brewery. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, speaking of beer, let's do the old. Uh, here we go. Get the noise gate ready. Ah, oh, yeah. Didn't get any beer on my mic that time. Okay. Usual routine. You want a little you- hint on what I'm drinking? Yes, please. It is a popular IPA from Ontario. Oh, boy. Are you drinking Bone Shaker? I am not drinking okay. Bone Shaker. I am not. Is it a Great I, Lakes IPA? It is not a Great Lakes IPA. Okay, just tell me what it is. I'll give you a hint that might give it away. Okay. It's an IPA made by a very accomplished brewmaster who brews for two notable Ontario breweries. Oh. And both know. of the IPAs you make are is, are very good. It's it's uh, Ransack the Universe from Collective Arts, oh, whose okay. brewmaster is the lovely, talented, and if I may say so, rather handsome Ryan Morrow. And he also brews and originally brewed for Nickelbrook. And so Nickelbrook Headstock IPA and Collective Arts Ransack the Universe, different IPAs to be sure. I could probably even tell them apart uh, blind side by side, but both fantastic IPAs. And I've just gotten into it. I hadn't had the Ransack the Universe aside from maybe once at like uh, at a beer fest or something. And then I met with uh, Erica who reps for them and she passed me a, a can or two of it. And uh I've subsequently bought numerous cans of it because it's a buy-in IPA for me. That says something if I go out of my way to purchase it. And I can get the cans at Loblaws now, so that helps. But oh, it is, awesome. it's totally, I don't, I haven't confirmed this with Ryan, but I would be surprised if there were any hops added to it anytime before the last five minutes of the boil. It, it just drinks like a big, juicy, hop-laden monster. It's great. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't tried that one, but it's uh, that should have been an obvious clue for me about the the brewing for two, two Ontario breweries making delicious IPAs. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nickelbrook uh, cleaned up pretty good in hoppy hoppy beer categories at the 2016 Canadian Brewing Awards. I was, I, I don't want to say amazed because amazed isn't the right word here. I, I reached for it, but I put it back. But um, pleased and gratified let's say to see how well ontario did in general including canadian brewery of the year and this one meant a lot to me side launch yeah that was awesome dude so exciting yeah and well deserved yeah and not because this is the thing i don't want to take anything away from previous winners um 
but you look at Great Lakes like two times in a row, won it, and they deserve it. They make fantastic progressive beers. Uh, but Side Launch does some of that, but why they want it is their ability to consistently produce fantastic, like world-class, what would be considered old styles or like traditional styles, like their vice beer, which of course is the old Denison's vice beer, and their Dunkel is fantastic, and their Hell is Lager that they're doing is like mind-bendingly good. Like, and these are beers that aren't gonna get the geeks all in a tizzy it's just that people who know beer drink them and go that's like as good as you're gonna get doing that beer and uh they win because of that and it's it comes down to michael michael hancock their brewer is just bolts when it comes to making beers so congratulations to side launch that is well 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 deserved absolutely i couldn't agree more it's very very excited very well deserved so um, I'm trying to think if we have anything else to catch up on before we dive in. I've been homebrewing a lot, as you know. Homebrewing a lot, Mandy. Got four... I've been seeing that. What uh, what do you have going on right now? Well, I got four fermenters bubbling away in my room right now. Oh, that sounds like a lot. You don't normally have that many on the go at once, right? I, I don't. And I actually have a fifth in the basement on um, a Brett blend just funking up. So good times with that. I've got a um, sort of a Belgian, I think... What did I call it? A Belgian? No, sorry, a French farmhouse IPA. So it's not actually mm-hmm. a Belgian IPA. Is that what I called it? I'm just looking at my notes here. It is. Uh, oh, well, no, because yeah, it's exactly what I called it. French farmhouse IPA. Remember when I was talking about making a beer called Hipster Bitch Slap? Mm-hmm. Hipster Bitch Slap, fermenting away. Yeast 3711, uh, Nelson and Eldorado hops, and then I just dry hopped it with some Amarillo, some more Nelson, and some Hellertau Blanc just to really hipster it up. Uh, but it is tasting fantastic. So I dry hopped that today. I'll crash it tomorrow, bottle it on Thursday, and then a week or two it'll be ready to rock, which is pretty exciting. I've got uh, my big brew beer from uh, the GTA Brews homebrew group, but something has gone awry and it's not going to work the way I wanted it to. It's just a question now if it's redeemable or if I just check it out, but that's part of homebrewing. And then I have twin fermenters of a Saison I did, but with um, Escarpment Labs, their New World Saison blend, which is a blend of Sack and Brett strains. So uh, yeah, it's plugging away. Um, it's going actually funny enough a bit slower than I was expecting it to, but uh, it's it's chugging along and it'll it's gonna taste fantastic too. That one I made all with peco hops. You ever heard of peco hops? I have not. No. I only just uh, found them when I was snozing around on Brew North's website. But it's a dwarf. It's from American Dwarf Hop Growers Association. I don't know what the difference is between a regular hop and a dwarf hop, but apparently that's what they do. But uh, yeah, it's just a cool kind of spicy, whiny. Uh, hop that i went for so it's interesting to see but uh yeah lots of homebrewing going on lots cool. of where do you get the this might sound silly but where do you get the escarpment uh yeast can you buy directly from them in like homebrew quantity uh no but they do uh releases to brew north and uh toronto brewing at least and i think Shortfinger out in guelph gets their stuff too uh bobo's place so but it's it's um i was gonna say it's really inconsistent that's not the word i i meant it's not that it uh the yeast is inconsistent, but their homebrew sized batches, their homebrew pitches just I aren't see. around all that often. So here, hang on a sec, talk, because there's a dog barking in yes, my windows there is. open. Yeah. Thought that was on my end. Usually it's the dog barking here. 
that's me and the window's open because it's a bazillion degrees up here but anyway i'll just sweat it out it's you all just right gotta, yeah melt that's what i'm doing melting yeah. tough it out because tough it out for the show uh funny you're talking we were saying talking about side launch they make a great hellas uh we've actually been selling the hellas from muddy york uh recently at castro's and it's a real treat and you guys are doing a hellas too um and actually i know f- for a fact, I'm going to slightly backpedal here, but that there is a major, another major brewery also working on a house. It's looking to me like uh, the beer to be chasing this summer is going to be that that top quality house. But if you follow what's going on in the states, and if you believe what sort of the loud chatter, or the general chatter is, what are we going to see more of this summer, kids? Hard root beers. You ever had a hard root beer, Mandy? I have not. I've just been hearing a lot about them. Uh, they sound pretty interesting, pretty delicious, but I haven't actually set my eyes on any yet. What about you? Well, I knew I'd heard about them, obviously, because uh, the big one that kind of broke last year in the States was called Not Your Father's Root Beer. Um, and I can't remember who makes it, but it's someone in the States. And then subsequently, another brewery kind of followed up with a a much more kind of boozy, alcoholic-y one as opposed to the Not Your Father's, which was apparently, and I've subsequently discovered, a bit more of a sweet one. Um, And then multiple people got in on it. And uh, it was one of those things, kind of a matter of time, looking at at the Ontario market, thinking, well, somebody's probably going to dive on this. And the first one out of the gate that I've seen is from Mill Street, which, uh, not entirely surprising. They're obviously trying to push the envelope a bit now that they're uh, under new ownership and have a lot of headspace, I guess. But uh, but it's going to be it's it's going to be a thing. I think you're going to see more people going for it. Um, when I was down in Florida in February, I, I laid hands on some of the Not Your Father stuff. It really, to me, just tasted like really sweet root beer. I didn't really get too much beer out of it, um, but I'm aware that it, I probably would have gotten drunk if I'd had four or five of them. And then had a fantastically awful hangover, but uh, but yeah, I thought eh, that's interesting. I could see that working, but I kind of want to see people do it where it's a bit more of a style that gets root beered rather than trying to make a root beer with alcohol. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Uh, I'm surprised at your comment on the sweet piece, though, Chris, because everything I've been reading about these things is that they're only lightly sweet. Uh, the one that I had, the not your father's. Now, remember, I don't drink a lot of soda. Um, I predominantly drink my calories in beer. But to me, it was like sweeter than a Coke. Oh, wow. Yeah, like it was sweet. So I wasn't too... Oh, and I can verify at one point I spilled a little bit on the table. And uh, we were outside. And about 10 minutes later, uh, I thought, oh, I've got a napkin now. I'm just going to wipe it up. And it had dried. And it was like sticky. Like syrup, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was sweet. Um, I haven't had the Mill Street one. I know the Mill Street one, the way that they're attacking it is... Let me see if I get this right. They made a batch of their vanilla porter. Then they ran it through their still to make like a beer schnapps out of it. Then they took that and blended it into either a base beer... Or maybe just into like water, like blended it back down to beer strength, but added the botanicals and the sugar to make it root beery, which is a pretty involved process <laughs> because it involves making a beer, distilling it, and then making a beer out of the distillate. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, they've got the technology, so uh, 
why not? But uh, I had, like I said, I haven't had that one yet. It launched last week or two weeks ago down in the distillery district. So I'll probably lay hands on it at some point and, and give it a whirl, but, uh, but have not had it yet. Uh, I had an interesting conversation today with, uh, you know, man of the brewing world and good friend of, the, of mine, uh, Ian at Amsterdam. And jokingly, uh, me and Jordan St. John actually were there coincidentally at the same time. And, uh, Jordan was kind of hassling him a bit and like, so when's your root beer coming out? And, uh, he said that actually one of the big concerns for him and why they probably would never, uh, even try one is the botanicals have a tendency to really imprint their flavors on anything they touch, like even stainless. And he said, he's heard stories from breweries in the States that like the kettle after the boil, even after a caustic scrub, still like notably smelled of root beer. And so he's like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, what what do you do once it smells like root beer? Like, what if you can't get it out? And of course, they've got a beautiful new crown system that they don't want to befoul with sarsaparilla and whatever else they, you put in root beer. But uh, so it's an interesting interesting addition to the problem. I know from experience, we had, um, craft root beer from, uh, Nickelbrook on tap at Castro's for a while. And it took about three months to clear the flavor out of that line. You'd have to run about a pint through at the start of each shift to get rid of the, uh, the root beer taste. It just kept soaking back into the beer, which is disturbing. Wow. Yeah. That's alarming. Yeah. It's, it's, it's virulent stuff. The, the botanicals apparently so it'll be interesting to see uh yeah you guys obviously no intention to do a uh, take me out to the ballpark root beer or anything no 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 definitely not um although we see so many families in through the tap room it would be nice to have uh our own soda on on top right but yeah totally um not something we're looking to do right now but i just i find the trend really interesting and the reason i've been sort of watching it uh, is because my my background is in the ready to drink world like mm. prior to brewery stuff i the quote is that i always i worked for a wine company but i managed the their everything that's not wine portfolio which was primarily rtds um, and rtds have been a struggling or ready to drink coolers have been a really struggling segment for uh, liquor retailers over the past i'm gonna say probably decade i think it's been pretty flat if not shrinking a little bit uh, and consumers are generally I don't know. I don't want to say moving away from it entirely, but it, it hasn't experienced the type of growth that you see in cider or craft beer by any means. Um, and so I think this is this is interesting, especially with the malt based, the malt based uh, hard root beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if it has that element of craft beer and craft cider that's attractive to, um, I guess, the demographic that, that's buying the most amount of booze. Um but that if it would appeal to RTD, drink, RTD drinkers in the same way, I don't know. It's interesting to to watch, hmm. and if it could help yeah. maybe boost the category, I don't I don't know. But I even <clears throat> pardon me, I even wonder if because it is malt based, if they would count it as an RTD, or if they would list it as a beer. Like I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm like not I'm, sure. It, in Mill Street's case, it would be an RTD because it's it's just a distilled. Thing, right so good point yeah it would be hmm. but i that's, don't know that they're all being made that way i think that's uh, far and away the exception uh, i mm-hmm. think most of them are sort of brewed um and then possibly tweaked post fermentation but uh but yeah I, I don't know it's an interesting point i hadn't even really considered it but from that angle um 
Yeah, like I say, I would like to see uh, sort of like a stout that's got kind of botanical notes added to it that make it root beery as opposed to root beer that's a bit malty and that would put it much more firmly into the the beer side of the the camps right yeah to me something like that sounds sounds delicious where it's maybe more stout more porter than um than soda if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah totally and just has those hints of of root beer but i know breweries have done that as well and have taken that angle um but that sounds to me like the more delicious approach or something that could be a little more up our alley yeah i mean i think one of the things anytime you add flavoring to a beer the question kind of becomes, are you making a flavored beverage that happens to use beer as the base? <clears throat> or are you making a beer and you're trying to add layers of complexity through additional flavors, right? And it's sort of the the difference between like a Bud Light Lime or Rita <laughs> mm-hmm. and... Well, even like your hibiscus sour, which had hibiscus added to it. That's not normally put into beer, right? That's a that's an extra flavor where your approach is obviously work with what you've got and try and, you know, add to it, bulk up the not bulk up the taste, but you know what I mean? Round it out. Whereas the Lime Marita format is much more put anything you can in to try and hide the fact that there isn't much going on with this beer. Um, so... Yeah, it's right. And I'm not sure really where I stand on the addition of sugar. Like at what point mm-hmm. are you if if it is meant to be a beer, at what point are you um, are you preserving the integrity of the beer if you're loading it up with sugar? I don't know. And you're talking like loading it up with sugar post fermentation. Yeah, I guess I'm assuming that's what has to be done to these root beers, but I, I don't know enough about how they're actually made. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's an interesting question. Nothing about it from a brewing point of view, because there are ways that you can create unfermentable sugar, um, like mash hot, and um, use lactose. Like lactose is unfermentable by sac strains, so you could almost do like a milk stout that you then maybe did like a vanilla root beer with, and then it would taste a little bit like a root beer float. Yeah, that sounds very yummy. But is that how this is being done? No, but it could be. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then so that would be, you're not adding sugar after the fact there, you're just making a ridiculously front-loaded uh, beer. Sure. Any brewers out there listening, you want to do what I just suggested, you go right ahead. I want a hot from, or hot-mashed, lactose-added stout with vanilla and root beer botanicals, and it will be a root beer float stout and i think it will be a home run i don't i don't know i'm not sure at what <laughs> point does it become like uh a malt based rtd because it's so sweet and at what point is it a beer i don't know well it's an interesting question i think it would be fair to say that there's probably no binary switch to flip there mm-hmm. um and there would be disagreement both ways because i mean there are stouts that are 100% beers that are 100% syrupy sweet, right? Sure. Yeah, fair. No, they totally are. Yep. So, and I mean, to some people, they'd be like, no, that's not really like a beer. It's too sweet. But functionally, it fits the bill every other way. And it's just the way that they happen to ferment it or whatever their process was led to it being, you know, syrupy sweet. So it's... Uh, it's interesting. Hey, to jump off for a second, I realized I said what I was drinking. Are you drinking anything interesting right now? 
I am actually. It's a beer you had already mentioned earlier in the the show. I'm drinking a Wrigley Oat Pale Ale. A gold medal CBA winning Wrigley Oat Pale Ale. Yes, an award winning beer from a local brewery. <laughs> We've been <laughs> that's joking around at the brewery, calling each other award winning this and that people. Yeah, well, that's the same. <laughs> like, uh, who was it? I think it was Cody. I was like, do I have to refer to you as an award-winning homebrewer now? And I was like, no, I, I think as a homebrewer, you need to win a couple of contests. And then the best part is I actually got the uh, judging notes um, from the contest. Now, remember, kids, if you're following along, I won the the top, like the number one place in the farmhouse category at a GTA Brews uh, uh, contest, homebrew contest. And, and I said at the time... Very, very happy, very, very honored to win. It was a pretty small contest. I was one of four people who entered that uh, category. Um, but how many farmhouse sales did you enter into the category? Just the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> there was only four beers. I don't even know. I think it was from four different people. But uh, but the category was actually only judged by two BGCP judges. And one of them really liked the beer. And one of them actually kind of panned it, but I'm assuming they probably didn't like any of them and that that kind of saved me. <laughs> so I just assumed that the one didn't know what they were talking about and the one that liked it was bang on. It's <laughs> the way to do it. I would have done the same. Award-winning home brewer, Chris Schreier. Um, jumping sort of back to a little bit related to what we were just talking about, and I, I this might go absolutely nowhere. I, I'm not sure. But... Have you been reading about the Georgian Bay Gin Smash, the RTD in a can? Again, I cannot stop hearing about this thing. It's everywhere, eh? Not it's, something it's sold I've tried. out everywhere. Yeah, not something I've tried, not something I've, I've sought out, but it's everywhere. Have you yeah. have you had it? I haven't. I just I thought of it when you brought up RTD. I was like, oh, like I remember uh, Christine Sismondo, um, who writes for a bunch of different things, including The Star, had written something about it, and I just pulled up the article. Um and I actually haven't read it yet, and I'm not going to read it out loud right now. But uh, she gave it very, very high praise. And uh, I got to be honest with you, at 2.95 per can at the LCBO, that is not a bad price for a gin-based RTD. No, and they appear. Speaking of award-winning, they appear to be a uh, the Georgia Bay Spirit Company appears to be a, an award-winning distillery. Yeah. Um, so not just. Uh, not just an invented brand trying to peddle some low quality neutral grain spirits. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's actually a distiller who cares about making good distillates. It's unheard of in the category. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting to see them entering the RTD category with a competitively priced tall can. Very fascinating to see that story unfold. Yeah. Really like to give it a shot. Yeah, me too. Although, like I say, word on the street is it's kind of sold out everywhere. So have to see if they can keep up the uh, the production on it. And it makes me wonder if they're using Session to can. Yeah, I'm wondering the, the same. I hadn't thought to ask. We were doing an emergency canning run on Sunday. Um, so I was spending a good amount of time on the line drying cans as they came off. <laughs> the other thing, actually, that, that makes me think of, too, and when Ian was talking about botanicals, he'd mentioned that apparently... Um, if you run a distillery and you do gin and anything else, you normally have one still for the gin and one still for the anything else because the gin has a tendency to really impact flavors, even in metal that you can caustic scrub. And so I wonder if it's a problem on the canning line, if like 
they have to be really mindful of cleaning the filler heads and stuff because otherwise it's ginny whatever comes out of it next oh yeah i'm certain there would be need to be some some extra cleaning that that took place i know the same is true between cider and beer runs oh yeah definitely um well and similarly uh there's an old joke and it's it's mostly true which is the best thing a brewery can do is get their frambois on tap in your bar because if it's on for more than about a week the line is just screwed like it tastes like raspberries until kingdom come it's yours forever yeah that's right if you can just get those hooks in early enough but uh but yeah, I know that's interesting. So yeah, this, this is another thing I'm going to keep my eye out for is this Georgian Bay gin smash. And then I'm curious too, Erica's not a huge gin drinker, but she does like it sometimes. I wonder if she'd be into it because she's, she's a non-beer person. So she drinks a lot of cider, but that could be a cool cottage uh, alternative as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what else have we got? This is going, this is flying by, Mandy. We're only at 30 minutes and, and we might even edit something out, so... This is, this is going great. You got anything you want to ask about or cover? Not entirely, no. I wasn't sure where you were heading with the uh, the root beer talk tonight. Yeah, I thought it was going to run longer, but it really didn't. Yeah. It ran out of steam. Maybe like the trend. Hi-ho! Oh, zinger. <laughs> you know what? No, my head, as usual, has been kind of uh, head down, focusing on all of the crazy and wild adventures that come along with running a brewery. At this time of year, um, just preparing for May 2-4, it was kind of wild for us and getting through that weekend. Um, we have a lot, of, a lot of new beers coming up and trying to keep variety available through the summer can be a challenge at points. So we're mm-hmm. trying to make sure that we stay consistent with that and looking forward to future expansion plans and trying to get our ducks in a row for when that will take place and what, what it'll look like. Um Managing distribution at this time of year, quite honestly, is uh, is kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, and so we're just trying to to make sure everything runs smoothly and keeping our customers happy and make sure the beer tastes great everywhere that that you can find it and pick it up. And I don't know, it keeps me pretty pretty bogged down. <laughs> Do you guys bring in an extra uh, like a summer brewery person, like an intern or a cellarman or something, to help with like transferring and junk like that? You know what, we, we haven't been at the point yet where we really find um, that our our business is terribly seasonal. It's almost been like very steady growth, but the growth accelerates as the summer hits, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so we've had to, to bring in some extra help. We do have a brewing assistant in addition to the brewing team of uh, Austin, Rob, and Mike. We do have one brewing assistant, and we just find that he ends up getting more shifts than he normally would because it's a part-time role. A lot of washing kegs, a lot of yeah. making boxes and washing bottles and preparing for packaging days. There's a lot of work that goes into just making sure you have everything ready uh, and on the floor and everything set to go for a packaging day, whether it be clean kegs that have gone through one or two cleaning cycles, um, bottles ready to go, boxes made up. So there's a lot of work involved in that, and that's what he really spends a lot of time focusing on. Yeah. We really couldn't get through packaging days without him. His name's Kevin. He's a good friend of ours. I was about to say, is that oh, Kevin? Yeah. You know Kevin? Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I know Kevin. We've had some times at Oktoberfest, me and Kevin. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, Kevin's getting a, a lot of time. And then we uh, we do add some help in the uh, event and festival department. Right, of course. Um, I think gone are the days where Mark and I are able to 
work the entire like load in to close and load out um, of a festival with just the odd set of hands helping out here and there as we used to do back in the good old days yeah um we're still very much there and present but just with everything else that's going on back at the brewery and elsewhere um, we really do need a lot of extra help so We've got that all lined up for the summer, got our events and festivals all lined up for the summer, something that we'll be doing this year that we hadn't done previously. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun as we're participating in the, the Leslieville Flea Market. Oh, amazing. We'll see you there. Yeah. So we'll be pouring there. Um, They're finally doing a little licensed area. Eh? They are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if they've announced it officially yet or not, but we're, we're thrilled to be working with them. There's so much red tape to jump through, uh, hoops <sighs> to jump through and red tape to get past to serve beer outdoors to a crowd of that size um in an area that wouldn't otherwise be licensed so Uh, you don't have to add like like pop-up fencing and stuff well there is it is a fenced in it is but it's in park it's only partially fenced in Uh, but anyway it's entirely fenced in so there's a new fence that's just been built oh okay uh, that might change it there are two small openings so as long as we have someone manning those openings we're good to go hmm yeah, and so the fence, uh, I guess, meets the AGCO requirements, and we've notified... So I can stand by the waiting pool and watch Ben and Grace splash and sip on a delicious... Oh, you're thinking of the Leslieville Farmer's Market. Oh, what did you say? The Leslieville Flea. Oh, Flea, yeah, and they do that in... Um, it's in the, the Ashbridge's like, in the uh, Ashbridges. estate. Yes, park. yes, yes. Okay, yeah. you're right, yep. Okay, sorry. Not as exciting for me personally, but that's very exciting news. <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll spill the beans a little early, but the, the other one is kind of in the works, the one you're thinking. So hopefully we can pull that off and make that one happen. Um, but we're working hard on the Leslieville. Leslieville flea is certainly happening. Wicked. Um, and the uh, the Leslieville farmer's market is something we're, we're getting close on. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like we go to that normally um, as soon as school ends. Our church flips to doing, it normally does a spoken Eucharist at 8.30 in the morning and then a sung one at 10.30, which is sort of the main service. And that's the one we go to. But in the summer, they flip it so it's just one and it's at 9.30 in the morning. But it means we're out by like a little after 11. And so we would often go over to the Leslieville Farmer's Market, get uh, some fish tacos from Hooked, have those for lunch, and then pick up some produce. The kids would play in the, the waiting pool and then we would head home. And every time... I'm just like, why, 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 why aren't we licensing mm-hmm. these? Like, it wouldn't be that difficult. It really wouldn't. Of course right. it is. But uh, always thinking that. So that's exciting news that that's a possibility. But Yeah, uh, and it looks like they'll be ideally working with uh, various partners. So stay tuned for, for news on that. But we'll, we'll if it all works out, we will ideally have a, a pretty strong share of market dates as the, the brewery that'll be there. So pretty excited about it hopefully it all comes together yeah that's amazing. and hopefully i haven't spilled the beans too early on their news well <laughs> we can always edit that out don't worry um are you guys doing uh like craft beer cruise or anything coming up not the cruise we we're doing sort of our own regular roster so we do the beach barbecue and brews um, and when is that that's really we'll soon doing that. oh it's father's day weekend, it's always father's yeah, day yeah, weekend so yeah it's not so it takes, it takes place then yeah um obviously just ahead of that is ocb week i think the uh the Beach Barbecuing Brews now lands at the end of OCB week. That's right, yeah. Whereas back in the day, it was at the, the beginning. It was always the kickoff. Um, and so this year for OCB week, we have the Bison's trip lined up, which we'll kick it off with. And then all week long, it'll just be events that we're doing at the brewery. So hosting free tours every night of the week. 
um, having a bit of a celebration going on at the brewery and getting people out to our space. Cool. Yeah, we don't offer tours during the week, so it'll be fun to do that. And uh, then closing it out with the, the Father's Day at the Beach Barbecue and Brew, so really looking forward to it. That's awesome. I'm going to be cruising and sipping beer this Saturday evening on the uh, Craft Beer Cruise. Don't even have to give it that much love because it's already sold out. So have if you, you attended you the event go, before, Chris? Yeah, I've gone a couple of times. Okay, and it has so much potential to be such a total disaster. And I've never heard any really bad disaster stories from any of the, the, the sailings of it. And certainly have never experienced one while I'm on it. But you just think about this, right? Boat full of people drinking a lot of beer, limited bathroom space. It just seems like it could go completely wrong and it hasn't. So that's, that's good. Uh, I know they they do them every uh, two a year. So there's another one coming up in September. If you're hearing this and you really want to go mark your calendar for September. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I love that event. That's a good one. And that's yeah, a lot of fun. And kudos to Sean at, um, at side lunch. who puts that thing together. Yeah. Every time. And it's like I say, I, I don't, I don't know if it's, top-down great organization or if it's just fortunate timing or a bit of both but it's always been a pleasure there's never been trouble it's great um got uh of course session coming up i was actually at the launch of the uh, uh the west coast session logger it's an india pale logger that they did uh was at that today actually that's not entirely true i missed the launch i got there when everyone was leaving but they still gave me some beer anyway <laughs> and uh it's tasting nice it's a, it's a cool beer uh very very uh, sessionable, as you would expect with uh, the way they try and tap into the name. But uh, so session is coming up and all the OCB Week stuff that's going to be coming down. I think. Am I going to see you at the OCB Week launch event on uh, the 10th at Steam Whistle? Definitely, maybe. Definitely, <laughs> maybe. It's a good one. You should be there. I know. You know, I, I try. It's, it's a Friday normally, right? Yep. I think what normally happens is I forget. And then... Uh, and then that I forget, and so I'm just not there. But I will try. I know Erica's brother and his family are coming in on the sixth, so hopefully I'm not tied up doing stuff with them. But uh, but yeah, should be good. Should yeah, be good if times. listeners haven't heard about it, it's uh, it's at Steam Whistle. Uh, it takes place Friday the tenth. I think it starts around three, four, or five o'clock ish. Yeah, and it's um, an open invite, right? It is, yeah. The yeah. there is a ticketed price. It's thirty bucks, but it gets you unlimited beer samples, and there are reps and brewers and owners and all kinds of people from all breweries that are there. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a big big deal. So that's cool too. Um, anything else? No, you know what? That's it. I got to get this logger out the door and launched on Friday. <laughs> got things and, to do. Uh, I got to go down to games night. We're recording this on a Tuesday night, and I do games night every Tuesday oh, except right. the ones that I don't at uh, Castro's Lounge. So I gotta, I gotta get down there too. But uh, let's leave it. Let's. So, but hang on. What does that yep. mean for our calendar? Does that mean that the next episode is going to be the OCB Week Extravaganza? I guess yeah. It could be. Yeah. Why not? I, I think it. Uh, it would either. Well, we could. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll aim to try and do one some point next week ocb week extravaganza i don't know we'll see or it might be during ocb week we'll see it'll be one of the two wait i'm looking at the wrong calendar nope i was looking right okay we're fine so yeah we'll see what we see but it might be the ocb week extravaganza kids so if you're looking for an extravaganza in your podcasts this could be the one thanks for listening mandy you have a great night
Thanks. Same to you.